everybody my name is kim and i would like to welcome everyone to the two voices podcast and Hi. i am one of your hosts as well david and i am desiree Lovin. it's nice to be here and we're very happy to have desiree she's a new contributor and we're hoping to share some of the questions that she brought on for us to answer and it's pretty much going to be a flow. So if there are any questions that any of us come up with, we will definitely share them. So let's see. Uh, James, David, James, <laughs> would you like to go first? Sure, I will begin. Um, so Desiree, what is loneliness? What does it mean to you? To me, loneliness is a lack of connection. Um, it's pretty simple. It's, it's not just being alone, but it's that lack of connection that you have with other people. Wonderful, thank you. Uh, the next one, um, what types of loneliness are there that you have experienced? Well, there's um, being lonely, I call it people loneliness, where you're lonely in the crowd. And then there's home loneliness, where you're lonely, but you're with your loved ones. Uh, self loneliness, where you're lonely just alone. And then situation loneliness, where no one else can walk that path with you. So, for example, that would be um, when you really need those connections in life, uh, like when you're sick or there's a caregiver to someone who is sick with like Alzheimer's or someone that is um, struggling with depression. Those are the times where you really need those connections. Um, it kind of goes deeper, doesn't it? Like. It goes from people at home to self to situation and um, lonely in a crowd can be because people don't know you. But then lonely with your family can be because they don't know the real you and then it gets to self loneliness and is that because you don't know who you are um, or you're not comfortable with yourself, what do you guys think about that. It's pretty deep. Um, I feel like I really I really like that you articulated it into different kinds and never really articulated it that way before i feel like i kind of they kind of blend together for me i i feel like i'm personally coming into a stage where i do know who i am and because i didn't i i really ostracize myself from friends family really anybody in a crowd of people is where i felt most comfortable to be without needing to constantly have to I guess debate with people who they thought I was when I feel like I was just being misunderstood. Um, so I feel like it's always situational. When you explain situational, I feel like that's legitimately kind of encapsulating it for me. It's always situational. And I, I feel like I get exhausted trying to tell people who I'm not, which I feel like that's already pretty deep enough. Everyone's going to perceive us a little differently than the next person. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, thank you for sharing those three different types. Um, I think for me, I struggle um, with all three as well, but loneliness in the crowd, I haven't really discussed that much, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's an even lonelier feeling to not feel like you, like people would want to know 
what's going on in your life or not necessarily care. That's too strong of a word. Just They just don't know. And so you're just walking through a crowd of people and you feel disconnected from every single person. And you feel like you can't reach out and just say hi. That is such a lonely feeling and something I've experienced a lot. Same. Obviously experiencing, you know, loneliness from family as well. And, you know, who I am, you know, something that I've had to deal with as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I would ask you, Desiree, the next question. Is loneliness ever good for you? So I think people dismiss loneliness as a problem because they um, are comfortable with solitude and loneliness is tied so closely to solitude. So we've all experienced periods of solitude where we're comfortable being alone, we've meditated alone, or we have been um, alone and without being lonely. But loneliness is not a positive experience. To expect lonely people to suddenly switch into a solitude state dismisses their pain. And it says, I'm not hurting, so you should not be hurting either. But, um, and the experience of being alone. So we can switch this to a better statement by saying, I'm here for you and you don't have to be alone even if I'm not here for you. So how do we teach people to not be alone even if the person isn't there for them? That's a really good question. Do you do you have any thoughts on that specific question? I mean, well, um, it kind of leads into the next question about combating loneliness. So I got really sick with a disease called MECFS, which is myalgic encephalitis, which is a really fancy way of saying I got tired very quickly all of the time. And I got to the point where I was um, mostly house, housebound and mostly most of that time I was stuck in bed and I was for years and years. Um, and even though my husband would come home and cook dinner, um, he would be exhausted by the end of the day and would just kind of crash. And so we didn't really connect the way we were connecting before. Um, and I was too sick to even talk on the phone with my friends. It was exhausting to speak. So um, when I did talk with him, I would hang up and I would feel this pressure, this uh, overwhelming pressure of loneliness. And it was a physical sensation and it would build. Um, and I turn on the TV, which I that's how lonely I was. I was turning on the TV for a company and I would turn on the TV, roll over and just go to sleep. I was severely depressed. Um, loneliness became kind of a way of life. And one day it kind of morphed into solitude. And the reason it morphed into solitude for me is, uh, I think, because I heard a story from this lady named Jessica Taylor Bierman. It was in a documentary about MECFS. And um, she talked about meditating on fish, of all the things you can think of. And I heard that story and I remembered I had studied Tai Chi for a number of years. And so I was familiar with meditating and I used breathing for pain, but I had never used meditating as a way of um, dealing with my loneliness. And um, to conquer my loneliness, I began meditating not just as a shield to my pain, but as a kind of guide to feeling around in the situation I was in. And um, it was just a very God, a big godsend for me. Loneliness would still come, but I could change it into solitude. Um, I could go from being lonely to enjoying being alone. It kind of changed my personality. 
and the pressure of loneliness became a pain that I could use as a catalyst for something better um, and become comfortable being alone. And when I got healthier again, I started making connections with my old friends and made new ones. I made phone calls and I still make phone calls and visits whenever I can because uh, loneliness is something I can combat. It's not just this nebulous feeling. It's something that I can fight by turning it into solitude or inviting someone into my space honestly. And by honestly, I mean not just talking to drive away the loneliness. I mean getting into the dirt of the garden of friendship. Um, one of the reasons I feel lonely in a group of people is because I don't feel connected and making connections with others should not always be surface level stuff. Um, and who do we often feel closest to? It's those people we share with, those people we struggle with um, and that have seen your struggles and they share with you as well. There's a listening and there's a reciprocation of feelings. Um, and you can feel that with God. You can feel that with the person sitting next to you. And it requires only two things, which is vulnerability and vulnerability. And um, I think when we learn to convert loneliness into solitude and reach out to others and allow ourselves to be reached, we can combat loneliness. It doesn't have to be um, a life sentence or something that we struggle with day to day. It's something you can actually fight. And that gave me hope to know that I, it was a physical thing that I could fight. It's really quite phenomenal guidance you created for yourself you really listened you really listened to yourself that's what i'm hearing you say thanks it took a long time it took me years of, of being alone to figure out that i didn't have to be that way i could i could fight it by changing it into solitude and meditation did that for me and i think that's something that you know we want to expressed to the audience is that you know taking action sometimes seems like a long time and sometimes you procrastinate a little bit but that's okay um thank you for sharing your your perspective your voice your mm -hmm. really your voice as a collective is important to what we're doing here it's it's a little you know there's no right or wrong answers it's something that kim and i say often and so that's the beauty of being able to share. Um, I'm going to let Kim ask the next question since I kind of stole one of them. Sorry. What? No, that's, that's on me. No, there's no stealing here. Um, what things have you done to help someone when they're feeling alone? Um, so this is kind of tricky because when we talked about solitude and we talked about loneliness and sometimes people are in solitude and um, they're comfortable being alone and they can look a lot like somebody who's lonely. So um, how do you figure out if someone's lonely or not? And the answer is you don't. You just reach out to them in love and light always. And the people in solitude and lonely people may react the same. They might say you, right? <laughs> um, but then you know, no touchy, just like in um, what the, the, the Dimper's last groove, no touchy. Um, but you can offer to sit by someone, um, leave a message for someone. That was always helpful for me when I was really sick because I couldn't respond right away, just leaving a message and checking in and not expecting a message back, just sending out that love to them. Um, you can also invite them for a short drive or hot chocolate. I have a friend who does this. Um, she's like, are you having a bad day? Let's just go for a drive. And she'll pick me up and we'll grab um, a soda or um, something for some Starbucks 
hot chocolate and we'll just drive in the car until the hot chocolate's gone and then she'll drop me off at home and I feel a hundred times better because you're not kind of dedicated to this hour or two hours of talking to someone. You've had this short respite from your life with a friend and then you kind of move on. And I think the biggest thing is to show love and it's just to show that love to people. Well, I can definitely feel love from you right now coming on as a guest contributor and sharing. And I feel like I really would love to know for at least personally for me, I'm still learning how to understand in a palpable way, how to show love definitely with no expectation of reciprocity. And I feel like that conflicts. I find myself feeling conflicted with other people who have their own idea of what giving love back to me is like with the hot chocolate thing that sounds so amazing uh personally it doesn't always vibe with me when someone's like hey let's go do something like it honestly i just re retaliate so it, it, i guess i'm curious to know how you how you would strongly encourage someone to start practicing the loving gestures for other people even though they may wish and crave for that reciprocity, what, what, what would you suggest for someone like me, I suppose, that really struggles to um, accept and don't, to not overthink it and assume people just want to feel better about themselves to encourage me to feel better? I think you just open up your heart. And I know that you do that because I, I've, I've talked with you before and I can feel that, that you are a very open person with your feelings and with your emotions. But there's just this opening of your heart to someone um, and sending them love out and just accepting that not everyone's able to respond the way that you want them to at that time. And being sick taught me that because there are so many times I just could not respond, but getting the love made me cry it made me smile, it helped me get through the day. Um, and so I think having been sick and having been the person on the receiving end of that kind of love mm -hmm. was um, what taught me to love other people that way. Because um, sometimes they just can't be there the way that you want them to be there. But that they still care about you, they still love you, they're just not able to respond for whatever reason. Well said. Is that helpful? It is helpful. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're pretty much putting it back on me, which I really respect and appreciate. And you did it in a very loving fashion. And I could see James, he's nodding his head there in the background too. Right. But yeah, I feel like you really exemplified the value of being in those shoes and feeling comfortable being in those shoes of feeling sick a feeling unable to reciprocate in the moment and honoring that. I feel like yeah. you're really articulating that. There's there's a part where um, service, we talk about service all the time and giving service to others, and it feels really good to give service, but sometimes we don't wanna be the one being served. And if we're not the one being served, then the service cannot take part. So you have to allow yourself to be served sometimes so that the service can take part and somebody else can receive that joy serving someone and that was really hard to let go of it was really hard to let go of i'm the server and be the receiver of the gift and once you 
comfortable being the receiver of the gift, it's so much easier to give someone a gift. Yeah, I personally struggle with that, you know, being the receiver. You know, I'm great at helping people, but I'm not always great at allowing people to help me. So thank you so much, Desiree, for enlightening us and really sharing this. I know, amazing voice to the collective. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys. I know you're doing great work. I'm glad to be a small, small part of it. We always have our door open if you ever want to share again. Thank um, you. Yeah, there, there, there are plenty of topics that you can, you know, as this podcast grows, You'll see that we talk about different things and I hope that maybe you'll come on again as well. Okay, I appreciate that. I'll keep that in mind. Thank you. Well, you I would like any... to, oh. <laughs> Did you no, have anything that came up or <laughs> questions that you wanted to ask or something you wanted to share with people listening? I just think that both of you are amazing people. Um, I've, I've met Kim, I haven't met, been met you very long, but I know that James holds you in high esteem. And um, the time that I have spent with you has been very um, enlightening and edifying. And um, James, you're always so just true to yourself. And you're always gunning for this, this ideal. And I really respect that because gunning for an ideal is really difficult in this world. And to see it um, and to see you just trying to achieve that and working on it um, always brings me great joy and, um, and happiness because I know that there's other people out in the world that are, that are trying to make the world better. And that's, that, brings me, that brings me a lot of peace to know that there's other people that really strive to, to, do, to do something great with their lives. I appreciate that so much. And you know, I I really want to help as many people as we can. I want to add as many voices as we can to this idea of the collective. And so whatever I need to do, I'm willing to do it. So thank you, Desiree, so much. Thank you, guys. So I will see you next time. I'm going to pop off. And I hope you guys have a great night. And it's so good seeing both of you again. Well, thank you for joining us on two, on two Voices Podcast. We appreciate your time. All right, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Hi, my name is Kim. And I am James, and today we are discussing what is Two Voices Podcast. And what Two Voices Podcast isn't. So I'll start us off. Two Voices Podcast is not a support group. It isn't therapy. It is not a group of mental health counselors. We are not health and wellness consultants, and we are not emotional support. And for me, to the Two Voices podcast is about starting conversations, as it takes at least two voices to communicate 
how we are feeling in the moment, how feeling alone feels, and how to stay accountable to our mental health. This is about collaboration with you, alongside us, and others, with a shared common goal of changing the negative perceptions we have of being alone. It begins with listening. The first time James and I met was actually through WordPress, and I couldn't help but to appreciate the authenticity that shined through when James would talk about how it felt when he was alone and I could relate so much and here we are we really feel drawn to take up the mantle and and provide a a actual virtual space for people that feel alone to also be vulnerable enough to say hey this is this is it is okay to not be okay and what can I do more of? And then together, we just decided to come together collaboratively, give our two voices so that the others in the mental illness community, even those that are listening that are not really in the mental health community, maybe you know someone, maybe you're dealing with mental health issues but you just don't know what it means this is a place to really talk discuss and collaborate with one another you'll see within the next podcast episodes what we're going to start growing together what our voices together will be and absolutely I come from the end of not being diagnosed and for a while I was in denial about it and here I met James and I really co-sign what he's saying about the whole collaborative approach to mental health. There really is no right or wrong answer when it comes to mental health and I feel if enough voices collaborate and rally, it will be so much more productive of a space in the mental health community instead of just having conversations about our mental health we're actually doing something about it together independently without needing a clear concise step-by-step process and for me it really is about using my anecdotal evidence what that means is my own personal experiences with living with bipolar one disorder, social anxiety, panic disorder, really having a mental health diagnosis, living with a mental illness diagnosis. And perhaps I can start begin to share what it's like or what it's been for me to be alone. And that's really The main goal is being alone is so common in mental health and mental illness. Negative thoughts come into our minds and there is a way to 
change it to positive thinking. There absolutely is. And in our first podcast episode, the two voices will really begin with James and I asking each other questions. Questions that I feel a lot of us have on our mind to want to ask each other, but we're maybe apprehensive to do so. And we really appreciate you all coming to this podcast, searching for a place to actually accept who you are, be courageous enough to explore what that means, and to take a, take a step to explore what am I, what, what do I want to do with that information. So with that having been said, you feeling ready for the first podcast episode, James? I am, and I want to welcome everybody to Two Voices.